you search anything in regards to investing, flipping, social media, you'll find Ryan Pineda. What's the difference between being rich and what's the difference between being wealthy? You know, getting rich is just money. You know, being wealthy is being great at all the things I mentioned, your faith, your business, your relationships. They gotta all be great, because if one is lacking, you're basically toast. Well, that's what Gary Vee told me. I'm like, well, Gary Vee's divorced. It is what it is. So what, what are you gonna do, right? Are you gonna follow the path that the world tells you is the path to success, or is there maybe a better way? Out of everyone I have observed and anyone I know in my life who is in business, your speed of execution is convicting. If people could just truly identify their priorities and know what they were to hit those goals and those priorities on a daily basis, inevitably their life would change. This is the main thing I want people to know if they, if they leave with nothing else. So when I... Welcome to the department where we interview people who are killing it in their department. And in today's department, we're going to be talking about investing. We're going to be talking about building businesses. Uh, and we're going to be talking about uh, how, you know, Christians should operate in business. Because I have with me one of one of my best friends in business and somebody who I've honestly learned so much from in the last few years. If you search anything in regards to investing, flipping, uh, social media, Grant Cardone, Dave Ramsey, <laughs> uh, you'll find Ryan Pineda and this awesome haircut and a special color. Honored to have you, bro. Appreciate you, man. I'm somewhat offended. You said um, one of my best friends in business, not one of my just best friends. <laughs> so it's okay. Um, uh, dude, it, it, <laughs> no, it 100 goes beyond. We actually went to <laughs> we went to Disneyland. He took me. He took yeah, the family. Wait, yeah, wait a minute here. Go I on. Know. He took the family <laughs> to Disneyland, uh, and we did the uh, VIP experience. Ate at Club 55. So uh, that was that was. That was actually messed up. Yeah, dude. Yeah, you know. You are a best if, friend. If it was a business friend, you know, like Grant Cardone is one of my business friends, <laughs> but I'm not taking him to Disneyland, you know? That's facts. Unless he's down. And, you know, our daughters are sisters, so it's just like, you know, no, it's he, all good. He's man. not a best friend in business. No, yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> uh, but, dude, multiple, what, what is it safe to say, eight-figure entrepreneur? Yeah. Multiple eight-figure entrepreneur. And I would say the acceleration of what you've been able to build over the last few years. Uh, I think we got connected in uh, the end of 2020. Mm -hmm. And since then, it's been so cool seeing all that you've built. Um, if, if somebody doesn't know actually what you do, because a lot of people know your face, but maybe they don't know like the depth of what it is you actually are doing and building. What, what would you say that would be? It's kind of hard these days. Yeah. Um, especially Mindy was telling me that. She's like, when people ask what you do, like I kind of don't know what to say anymore. But um, yeah, I mean, I was a real estate guy. Before that, I was a pro baseball player. And then, you know, I got into social media to just start talking about all the business things I was doing. And that inevitably led to starting new businesses and getting into digital marketing, getting into, um, you know, we're building a Christian entrepreneur group. We're building out, you know, NFT projects. We're building out um, big events, big education company. Like the list goes on and on. But uh it's been a fun ride, man. But yeah, if, if anyone asked, it would probably still just be like, I would be known as a real estate guy. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Um, I would, I see the transition though, going into the, the Christian entrepreneur space and I love it and I want to talk about that. However, you listed out all these things. Yeah. And you got Alex Hermosi saying, just focus on one thing, build the one thing, get that to the thing. Even um, Russell uh, Johnson, 
uh, is it uh, Russell, Russell Johnson? Brunson. Russell Brunson. There's yeah. so many Russells. Yeah. I just named a pastor. My bad, Russell. Russell Crowe. <laughs> Russell, Russell. Crowe. <laughs> but uh, he will say, like, you know, do the one thing till it makes a million, then start a next thing or, you know, yeah. uh, deviate from there. I agree with that. Okay. So what was the one thing that got you to that first mill then? Flipping houses. Flipping houses. Yeah. Uh, I tell people this all the time. Like, they'll say, Ryan, you know, should I build my personal brand? Should I start buying real estate? Should I um, do this thing? And I'll be like, all right, well, like, what breaks, what, what makes money now? And they'll say, oh, well, I'm doing this. And I'll be like, how much do you make? It's not even 100000 I'm like, why are you trying to go do eight other things? And I'll, I'll straight up tell them because they want to be business content creators. I'm like, why would anyone listen to you for business advice? You mm. don't know anything. Wow. And it's just like it hits them. And I'm like, earn your stripes, fool. Like, go talk about business when you've actually done it and succeeded. Nobody, why would I listen to you? I could go listen to guys you just named. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in the end, I always tell people, especially young entrepreneurs, like, hey, there's nothing wrong with trying a lot of things, but I wouldn't be trying to grow your personal brand on business. Now, that's very different than maybe what you did or somebody else where your business is creating content. Your business isn't talking about business. Mm -hmm. You're teaching people how to do video and edits and podcasts. And all. that's great. That's a real legit thing. Um, but like, there's this whole thing of trying to teach people things you just don't know. Right. You know everything about video, yeah. so it's great. Um, so that's what I would say to these young guys is like, focus on one thing, and you can try lots of things, but once one starts to click a little bit, go all in at it. Yeah, and I'd like to know your thoughts then, because like, in that pursuit, they should still be doing social media. They yeah, still... you could document the journey. So documenting the journey is different than teaching. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Have your IG stories, post your pictures, um, get on podcast. I think it's great. And, you know, but would I say go and spend 30 hours a week making content, trying to teach people stuff you don't know? No, because that's what most business people want to do. Mm -hmm. They just try to copycat. Right. Um, but like, even if you look at my career, this is the main thing I want people to know if they, if they leave with nothing else. And so maybe Dude, wait you know, to say it at the yeah, end we'll of the show. Yeah, Actually, you know what? We'll <laughs> wait. We'll click like, All right, I'm clicking off after he says it. Actually, I know something even better I'm going to say later. Okay. So I'll, I'll stay with say this, it. right? So when I first started my life, I was like, I'm going to play baseball. Like since I was five years old, that was all I ever wanted to do. So I focused on baseball for 27 years. And so, you know, I was good. I was a freshman um, on varsity, playing shortstop, batting third. I was the guy. Division one scholarship, freshman All-American, um, get drafted. And all I did was focus on baseball. I just could not care about anything else. And eventually, baseball ran out, and I had to find a new skill. So what I do in 2015, I started flipping houses. And at the time, everybody was like, hey, Ryan, you should buy rentals. It's really important to get passive income. And I'm like, why? What's $200 a month going to do for me? I'm still broke. It made no sense to me. I was like, I would rather flip one house a month and make 20 grand. That sounds way cooler than 200 bucks a month. Mm -hmm. And so I just only focused on flipping houses. I didn't worry about rentals. I didn't worry about multifamily. And I did that for five years. I didn't care about really social media. I didn't care about um, all the other things I did later. And so for five years, I honed my craft at flipping houses and I knew everything about it. So by the time 2020 hit, you know, COVID's happening and I had 50 house flips like on wow. construction, on the market, whatever. And I'm sitting there as a guy who's ultra successful flipping houses, like, dude, I might lose it all. I don't know what, what's about to happen. 
you know, this COVID thing, who knows? I think I have COVID right now. That's where my <laughs> voice went. Yeah. But, um, you know, I was like, I guess people are going to be locked up. What are they doing? They're just on their phone, watching the news, watching social media. There's like this TikTok thing popping off. What's this all about? And then it just clicked one day. It was like the Holy Spirit was just telling me, you're going to be the guy. And so I was like, fine, I'll just, I don't know, I'll make some TikToks. I have no idea how to do this. And I just felt called to start making content. And so I bought a camera. My first videos were on my dining room table. My wife edited them. I told her, I go, babe, I'm going to be a YouTuber and a TikToker. She was like, okay, whatever. Because she had seen me do this many times mm -hmm. where I was like, hey, I'm a pro baseball player. And that's how she met me. And then I go, hey, I'm going to flip houses and this is what we're going to do. And she saw it. So when I said, hey, I'm going to do social media and this stuff, she had always wanted me to do YouTube for years mm. because she loved YouTube. I never watched YouTube. Was she a fan of Omar El Takori? She was a big fan. Let's huge go. fan of Omar El Takori. Shout out to you, Mindy. So then I was like, hey, who should I watch? She said, Omar El Takori. And so I started watching these videos. That's not how it happened. But I did start watching your videos in 2020 because I was like, man, how do I make content? So I start watching all these content creators and I found out like you guys at Think Media were here in Vegas. I was like, oh, sick. These guys are here locally. This is awesome. And then you were doing these videos about editing and stuff. And the fun, it's so funny in hindsight because I was watching the editing videos, like literally watching <laughs> you do premiere. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll edit my videos. That's what content creators do. I want to be like the content creators. And sure enough, I bought Premiere Pro and I played in it for about five minutes. I was like, this ain't going to happen. And I was like, babe, I'm going to need you to edit these videos. There's no way I can be a YouTuber if I have to edit. And um, at that point, <laughs> how much people were like working for you? A lot. I mean, but, I probably but nobody you would have like trusted to just learn it. Like you didn't feel like, why did you feel like you wanted to ask your wife to do that part as opposed to like, hey, you work, I pay you, learn it. Um, I, well, the main reason was we were locked up. Okay. okay. So like there, there was nothing to do. And my wife actually had already produced videos before. Mm -hmm. So she knew how to edit. So anyways, um, I just start making content and it pops off pretty quickly. And I was like, all right, well, guys, I'm just going to focus on content for the foreseeable future for years. And so that was all I did for years. I only focused on content. And, you know, now it's been almost four years. And, you know, now I'm going to focus on my next thing. But the point is, every step of the way, I was just hyper focused on one thing. That's really good. And, um, you know, with content comes education. You know, they're very highly um, connected, synergistic. Yep. And so like during that time, my education company grew from literally making, I, I can't even say I had an education company, but in 2019, I made 50 grand, you know, in education. And then the first year on social media, it, it turned into 700 grand. And I was like, wow, this education thing's legit. I was still making way more flipping houses. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, 2021, um, it grew to like, I think three and a half million. I was like, okay, this education thing's legit. And then it was eight figures. And then, you know, now I can see how education could even get to nine figures if I just now learn a new skill. That's really good. Have you ever wondered to yourself or asked yourself the question when you watch my content, how the heck does Omar's quality of video look and sound so dang crispy? It's literally the number one question I get asked, whether it's privately in the DMs or people commenting on my videos on Instagram or even on YouTube. The reality is I believe the quality of videos that I've been able to produce has been the recipe to my success online. And I wanna give you access to my live document where I've listed out everything I use, both for the podcasts I create, to the YouTube videos I make, as well as to what I use for my smartphone to make it look and sound 
amazing. The reason I put it on a live doc is because I keep this document updated in real time with everything that I'm using. So just head over to thevideodep.co forward slash crispy or just click the link down in the show notes. Let's get back to the conversation. I think it's interesting that you started flipping houses as like a has your business. Yeah. And like I view flipping houses, I flipped a house or two. Really? I didn't know that. Really? No. Dude, yeah, I went in with my uh, friend Steve. And we, oh, yeah, I knew we, Steve. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we did it in Fort Worth okay. and uh, made like 30 grand. But you just like helped invest, right? Right. Okay. But that's what I'm saying. Like my approach to flipping or re- investing in real estate comes after the social media and the building the online business. After you had made some money. Right. Yeah, you, you took money you made over here and invested in real estate. Right. Real estate for me wasn't an investment. Right. Real estate was the business. I had to flip to make money. I had to wholesale because I had no other thing I was good at. Yeah. Um, in regards to this, because like investing is such like a funny thing. Like I, I, I want to know, like this is genuine curiosity from my point of view because we live way below our means and I'm always wondering what to do with like the excess outside of what we give to, you know, the church. But like, how do I build like what you, you know, you, you have your whole brand on wealthy yeah. um, kingdom. And like, I think, I think there's so many people saying so many different things on what to do with your money. And for what would you be like your basic, like investing 101? So I personally am very different than most. So a guy like Dave Ramsey or, you know, um, a hedge fund manager or something would tell you diversify, you know, like play it safe. And I think that that's probably a wise choice for, I'll just say dumb people because like, yeah, if you try to focus on one thing and you're not a good investor and you don't have like the actual capability to do it, you should diversify because you will, you know, odds are you're going to make the wrong choice because you're just not that good. Mm. Um, but if you want to become a great investor, it's like any of the other skills I mentioned. It's like it's going to take a lot of time to identify what a good investment actually looks like. Um, and so for me, it's like, all right, well, right now you're working on your skill of building your education out and, you know, continuing to just continue to be great at social media. And it's like, all right, well, if you do try to become a great, say, real estate investor, it's going to take a lot of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I've got tens of thousands of hours into it already. And so, you know, you could go the route of just partnering with guys like me or Steve. And then, you know, that's how you invest because you'll just give your money to, to the expert. Mm -hmm. Um, or you decide you want to become an expert somewhat. It's really just a capacity issue, but the way I look at it, it's very much like a math equation of, okay, well, if you decide that you want to become great at real estate, it takes hours. That's just the way it is. So how many hours a week do you got to put into learning, Mm -hmm. you know? And so if you go and try and do that, let's say, oh man, I'm going to devote 20 hours a week to learning. Well, what if you would have just focused on the video department for 20 hours? What would it give you a better return? It's good. So usually ultra successful people in other fields that make their active income, whether it be like a doctor or a content creator or, um, any of these guys like in this business unit that that they're making money in some brick and mortar, it's hard to go and learn to be great at real estate. Like I think about, um, a stock trader. It's like, dude, I don't know anything about stocks, Yeah. but that's the same thing. Like, Oh, I want to get into stocks. It's like, dude, the learning curve is so high. So I either will just decide to go give my money to a stock trader or 
you know, to do it myself, but odds are if I'm already really good at something, I should just double down on what I'm really good at. I think that's really good because it's the principle of like just investing in the things that you know. Yeah. Um, I would just say like some people just don't know nothing. So maybe if you know nothing, best bet is you probably know your business enough to see it grow. So reinvest back into your business. Yeah. Um, I lost a lot of money this year, like investing into a fund that like turned south. Yeah. Um, I would like to know how, how much money have you lost in taking risks? <laughs> millions and millions. You know, here's the thing, right? Is this last, um, call it 18 months when we've been in the um, higher interest rates. Uh, once again, like I went into COVID with a ton of properties, 50, and things could have went south. And as an investor at that time, I was doing everything correctly. I bought great deals. Um, they're underwritten well. They're getting construction done, all that stuff. And then this fluke thing happens with COVID where you don't know how it's going to happen. Now, at the end of the day, COVID ended up helping and my real estate ended up selling and making a ton. And then everything I bought for the next bunch of years killed it, made a ton of money. It was awesome. Um, and then, you know, June of 2022, they decided to start raising rates. Mm -hmm. And they doubled rates and, and raised them literally faster than they ever have in the history of the U.S. To me, that's a fluky thing that um, you just can't really prepare for. And so for me, I ended up losing millions of dollars on flips. It was the exact opposite. Mm. of what happened to me in COVID where I ended up making millions because it ended up benefiting me. But now this one ended up hurting me. So I look at both situations and I'm like, did I do the right process going into that point? And I would say for both situations, yes, they got two different outcomes. What you can't control the result or the outcome. All you can focus on is the process as an investor because you're always just playing games of probability. And so like, if I look at this year in 2023, um, it's been an extremely difficult year, literally, I would say for 90% of people, whether they say it or not. Um, in investments, real estate people got crushed, stock people got crushed, business owners got crushed, um, employees got laid off, tech companies got killed. So like, pretty much everywhere you look, you, you got crushed. And so you're like, yeah, I invested in this fund, it didn't work. Well, let's say you didn't invest in the fund. You would have invested probably in one of those other things anyway, mm -hmm. and you would have lost it. So in the end, it's easy to get mad at the particular, maybe one investment you made. But you know, if you're going to be investing the rest of your life, you just know the L's are going to be coming with the wins. Yeah. It's very rare that somebody is just you know, going to win all the time. Yep. They're just not. Because if your investment thesis is that, hey, we're going to go, um, let's just say for me, flip houses, right? And I'm going to go ride the good times for three years straight. Inevitably, as long if I just keep riding, it's like the craps table. <laughs> You're going to keep your money out there. At some point, you crap out and, you know, you got to reset. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. Because, like, if, if you give me 30 years, it's all good. Like, yeah, I'll crap out here or there and, like, it's fine. I'm going to still win as long as... I didn't bet the entire farm mm -hmm. and I, you know, didn't have any more chips. Now, if I bet the entire farm, then yeah, I could set myself back really, really far. Like Drake says, as long as the outcome is income. <laughs> that's all that matters, right? Drake <laughs> yeah. knows. The gospel of Drake. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I, I get, I see a principle, uh, like the proverb that comes to mind is as a man thinketh, so he is 
So he is. And there's these, it's like you have these moments where you're like, I'm going to be a baseball player. Yeah. And then you have these moments where I'm going to be a real estate investor. Yeah. I'm going to be a YouTuber. And it seems like you've, you, the way you, you move into something you think about yourself is really fast. I would actually say out of everyone I have observed and anyone I know in my life who is in business, your speed of execution is convicting. Mm. Like how fast you've been able to implement based on how soon it was that you learned. Yeah. And I mean, I would, I would um, define that as like, you have this, you have this courage, you have this, I think, lack of care of what people think. Um, but I want to know from like, like I've even like other people that I've been talking <laughs> to, dude, Ryan, dude, that, that dude just, he just executes. And like, how much are we missing out in our lives, our business, our ministries, or what have you, because we're just not simply executing the thing that we should, we know we should do. What's your thinking about like, we're going to do this. I'm going to do this. It's an interesting question. Um, somebody else, multiple people have brought up the word courage to me, like in, in this way. And I've never really even thought about that. Like being courageous or anything. I'm just like, conviction is probably the better word. Like mm. if I feel like God is calling me to do something, I'm in 100% conviction that this is what I must do at all costs. And everything else becomes irrelevant. And um, I was praying the other day, because we always take December off for Bible study. And so during December is when I really start to prepare prepare for the next year. And it was like last December, there wasn't even a wealthy kingdom, but it was during December that the the vision came and I was like, all right, well, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to prepare for it the right way. And then we launched 50 Bible studies this year. And so like now I'm planning for 250 next year. And um, I'm going to use this time to, to figure out how to execute on that, not just say, oh, this is what we're going to do, and God will provide the way. It's like, no, God gives you the vision, and then now it's up to you to go execute mm-hmm. and take the first step towards the vision. Because most people already have the vision of what they got to do. Yep. But, they're like, but there's still more that God's... No, he's like, no, I already told you what the first step is. Yep. I'll tell you the next step once you do the first step, but you ain't even doing the first step. So I think so many people get caught up in not even taking step one. And I think that that's where um, the execution comes into play is that I will always take step one the moment the vision is here. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is it. Let's do it. Oh, I'm going to start making TikToks. I don't know what to do. I should probably, I don't know, make a TikTok. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, what are the TikToker? Oh, they're dancing. I guess I'll try dancing. Like, I don't have the full picture. And so you try and you learn and you fail and then you reiterate and you try something different. That's all I do. I just constantly try and fail and then something clicks. And then it's like, oh, that worked pretty good. Let's try it again. Oh, dang, it worked good again. Yeah. What would happen if um, I did this even more? When something works, I then now think more. Mm. And then, you know, that's kind of like this process that starts to play out. But... You know, the other thing I think about is with executing an idea really quickly, there is a skill to learning um, that I've been thinking a lot about how to quantify and explain properly because clearly I've developed a lot of skills in a short amount of time and I don't think it's a genetic or a – obviously that – IQ would play a role and 
faith obviously plays a role and there, there, there are elements that allow you to learn quicker than other people. But if I had to dumb down learning, I would say that there's definitely some key pieces beyond just genetics and faith. Mm. One key piece is, okay, you got to quickly identify who the best in the world are right away. So the moment I decided I want to become YouTube, I just started finding the best. I quickly identified you guys. I identified all these other finance and real estate YouTubers because those were the guys that I was trying to be. And so I said, what do they do that made them successful? Um, do I think I could actually do that? And I looked at them all and I was like, no offense, but these are all just normal dudes. They, mm. they don't, they're not like, if I was to go say, man, I want to play in the NBA and I go look and I see LeBron, I'm like, it's, it's not going to happen. <laughs> it just, yeah. There's no way I could do it. But when I looked at YouTube or um, real estate, I just looked at them. I'm like, these are normal dudes. Yeah. Like I got more talent than them, like natural talent, which is a real thing. I was like, if they can do it, then this is going to be cake. That was my mindset. So first you got to identify who the people are, your, your competition, and, your rivals, and whatever. And you, you're saying like on average, you do identify that who they are and you're like, they're just they're normal dudes. people. They ain't nothing special. Yeah. So, which is great. And it's not to demean. So them. you're saying I'm not anything special. Hey, dude, <laughs> you're, you are one of my best friends in business, okay? <laughs> so I, uh, I identify who they are, right? And as long as I think I can actually achieve what they've achieved because they don't have some inherent quality that I literally cannot get, then um, I'm like, all right, great. That's step one. This is going to be great. Um, it's obviously doable. Step two is, okay, I got to learn from them. What do they have out there? I literally bought everyone's course. Mm. I applied to work with everybody. I was like, I got to learn from all of them. I bought Graham Stephan's course. I got your guys' stuff. I got uh, me, Kevin's stuff. I hired um, these TikTok guys. I hired everybody. I was like, I want to learn what everyone's doing. And so that was step two. Step three was then synthesizing the information. Mm and deciding what I think is best with my skill set, my situation, what I want to accomplish and my goals, because everyone has a different philosophy on how to do YouTube yep. or how to do business or how to do whatever, right? When I first started real estate, it was like, everyone should get rentals. I'm like, that don't work for me. I'm broke. I need to flip. And so once I identified the, the actual process I wanted to do, I went all in on it. And so, you, you know, once- synthesize, I also say contextualize. Yeah. For your situation. For sure. It's really good. Figure out, like, take the information now and come up with a game plan, essentially, right? From there, it goes into what you just said of execution. So you start with a plan, and then you go into this execution phase. And execution is the hard part, which, by the way, most people either get stuck in this, let's just call it the information phase, the, soaking the, the fact-finding, gathering, research phase. They never even leave it. The I would say the gung-ho emotional entrepreneurs skip this phase, and they go straight into execution, and they also fail because mm. they don't even know what they're doing. You know, if I if I said, "Hey, dude, here's what you got to do to film a great video," you know, first step is turn the camera on. Okay. Second mm. step is like do X, Y, Z, right? But these guys just go straight into it and they see the setup, but they don't even turn the camera on. So they just wasted two hours filming something. <laughs> and it's just like, well, yeah, you just, you're an idiot. You didn't learn that step one is turn the camera on. So, you know, I think, um, you need both. You need to get the information and then you go into execution. Now, when you go into execution, you need to make sure that 
You're not worried about your results initially. It's good. Too many people automatically, they don't get the desired outcome right away. And so they give up and they don't like it and this. And by the way, I have to constantly remind my team of that. Like right now, we're in the process of changing so many things. And I'll get my partners and smart people and they'll be like, Ryan, dude, this isn't like, do you think we should just go back to the old way? And I'm like, no. Mm. Why would we go back to the old way? This way is going mm. to work. Like we're, we're actually doing, <laughs> this is exactly where it's supposed to be. What, do you think like this was just going to be instant? You know? Yep. And then now, two weeks or two months later, it's actually starting to work and pay off. And like, dude, this is like going well. And I'm like, I don't even know why I explain myself half the time. <laughs> so, you know, I just, I, I've given up on that. And I just, I'm like, you stay with the process once you know that this is the process I have committed to. You know, I think, um, once again, people don't get early results and so they quit. Or they quit their plan that like, they... They, they know this is the plan. I just put in all this research to know this is the plan. And then you get cold feet yeah. because after a week you spent money, you spent time, it, it, you didn't get a result. And so you quit or you deviate. And so most people just don't even see it through to what execution needs to be. Mm. And then from there, once you like, I guess, let's just say reach phase one of the plan. Now you have new decisions to make about how to scale. And so that's kind of like the, I guess, tactical perspective of how you start to execute very quickly. That's really good. That That's its own little upload. Um, there we go. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think what, what you get by execution, it's kind of what I teach about just being consistent, um, uploading content online, is it gives you feedback. Mm -hmm. So like because you're executing faster, you're actually getting more feedback quicker so you can make better results, and that, that compounding over time is allowing you to to, to do a lot of awesome things and be successful at a lot of things because you're failing faster, which means you're fixing quicker and you're learning quicker. And wisdom is application. So like once you get the information, that's not wisdom. Inf wisdom is when when the information, when the knowledge is applied mm -hmm. and, then, and then what you learn from that is the actual wisdom piece. Mm -hmm. And so I just think you do that so well. Um, you talk about like you, you bought the courses, you, you hired the people, how much have you personally invested in yourself when it comes to personal development and education? I don't know. At least a million bucks. A million bucks. Yeah. What was kind of like the first biggest investment you made for yourself? Mm, I think 2018 was the first time I ever bought something. It's funny. I bought um, Russell Brunson's course. I was at 10X Growth Con. I actually had a $10,000 ticket like second row oh, wow. that was gifted to me. Oh, snap. Um, this contractor here in Vegas, he was like, hey, if you be my accountability partner, I'll give you this ticket. I was like, that's cool. I'd never been to a business conference. I was like, let's check it out. I, I saw this guy Cardone before. Um, and so I went to the event and it's my first time being exposed to all these, at the time I didn't even know, digital marketers. And um, Russell Brunson gave like the craziest pitch ever. And um, I was like, I don't even know what I'm buying, but that was the best to take me as a guy who's cheap and a skeptic and to make me feel like I'm ready to buy. Wow. I got to buy it and figure out what he did. And so I bought it. And then how much that, was it? It was yeah. like 3,500. Okay. And then that opened the floodgates and then Ty Lopez spoke next and I bought his thing. Um, did he deliver? <laughs> <laughs> I honestly don't even remember what either of them were, but it was just like that, um, new experience. Yeah. 
And uh, it's funny because now I, I actually met them both in Utah mm-hmm. about a month ago for the first time. And That's cool. it was just kind of like this um, interesting moment in life where I was like, man, that you guys were like the first two things I bought. And then, you know, I bought masterminds. I bought um, business coaching. I bought social media coaching. So many things I bought over the years. Um, just as I've, like I said, I want to learn a new skill. I yep. just go buy it. That's good. I just, I mean, I'm, I've been very self-reflective about investing in myself because this year that happened to me. Mm-hmm. It was a $55,000 offer. Yeah. And, but what it, what it created in me, it's like when you, when you pay the cost to, to learn you, it puts something in your gut and spirit that you need to make it worth that investment. Oh, for sure. So like yeah, skin in the game. A, lot of the, a lot of the reasons why people actually don't implement is because it didn't cost you anything. Yeah. And so get some skin in the game and then. Uh, well, there, there's, there's probably just three reasons why people would not pay for something. One, they don't believe in the person that's selling the thing. Yep. Two, they don't believe in the method. You know, maybe they like Omar, but they're like, dude, I don't like know that social media is really the way, mm-hmm. you know, or three, they don't believe in themselves. Those are the only three reasons why they don't buy. Um, you know, money, people think money is the reason people don't buy. It's not the 55K that, you know, like you you, you went from zero to 55K. Yeah. So and it, was, it, and it wasn't money. He started it at 150. It was 155. I texted a man. I was like, babe, how are we going to do this? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm going to do and it. Then he, and then he just price juxtaposed and was like, you know what, guys? Cross out that one. Yeah. I was like, what a freaking steal. This, dude, don't take it away. I got to buy it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's the thing, right? You went from a guy who never paid and you know, it's not like, dude, I mean, that's a significant amount of money for where you're at right now. Mm. And you were like, I'm going to do it. And I believe in this. I believe in myself. I believe in him as a mentor. I believe in his process and his method. Let's roll. That's it. That's cool that you identified that. Cause that's literally it. Those are the three, things. three things. That's really good. So like a lot of people would, they see you and they think they, they do equate you to money like mm-hmm. they just say like i just need to get around this guy because like if i get around him i'll probably make more money or you know i'm in the pursuit of building businesses i'm an entrepreneur i want to invest in real estate and your brand is so connected to the idea of generating income um i think it's crazy because that happened quickly but what would you say is i don't know what would you say because you've built you built Wealthy Kingdom. Is that what you call it? What's it like the grand? The no, the overall thing, just Wealthy Way. Wealthy Way. So you talk about being rich versus being wealthy Yeah. in your book too. Yeah. Um, what is, can you de- define that? What's the difference between a, being rich and what's the difference between being wealthy? Yeah, so the the quick version is, the reason I wrote Wealthy the long Way, version. the long version <laughs> is um, I got rich pretty quickly um, from being broke. I mean, I, in 2015, I had saved up literally $10,000 from flipping couches. So like I had hustled and did things and I was making 1200 bucks a month playing minor league baseball. So like money wasn't a thing I had. Mm. And at that point too, I was married for a couple of years. Um, and I decided I want to go all in flip houses. So I maxed out my credit cards for 50 grand and did my first flip. And thankfully it worked, made 25 grand and you know, I just repeated that process over and over again. And three years later, I became a millionaire. I had flipped, how many did I flip? 80, 80 houses by then. Um, and so I got, I made money pretty quick. And I knew at that point I was going to be good. 
because um, I knew I could just always flip houses. Nothing was ever going to stop that. So, you know, for me, I never really like pursued growing a big business yeah. or a certain net worth or any of these things I see a lot of people pursue. I always just pursued doing literally what I wanted to do. That was my ultimate pursuit. Mm. So um, even while I was building it, even while I was flipping couches, I was I was still playing baseball for 1200 bucks a month because I wanted to do it. Like I knew that I wasn't probably getting to the big leagues at that point. I was making way more money in real estate, but I wasn't doing it for the money. Like I just wanted to play baseball. Um, my wife and I didn't have kids yet. We just loved traveling and having a good time. She loved watching me play. She was still a school teacher making 40 grand a year, even when I was making great money. Cause she just loved it. Um, I didn't work weekends back then. Like it got built the way that I tell people I do it now. Mm -hmm. Like it was never this thing of having to grind it out for all this, this time while I'm on the come up. No, mm -hmm. it was just always the same. And as I got on social media and stuff, people started to ask me, they're like, bro, how you have kids, you're at church, you're serving, you're working out. You're like doing 8 million things in the business world. You're making content. You're playing golf now out of nowhere. Like, how? And I was like, what do you mean? They're like, how can you do it all? And I was like, well, there's there's a method to it. Once again, my, my mind is very tactical and logical. And so I'm like, all right, I've been asked this enough now that I'm going to create a methodology of how to do That's this. Good. And so I ended up making this entire course. And these guys will tell you, like, when I made the course, um, I was like, I always made it. Well, at first I was like, I'm going to build this out. It's going to be a sick product. And as I was building it out, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to give this for free because people need it. Mm. And, um, you know, I ended up launching it uh, two years ago. The course uh, gave it all away for free. Like 30,000 people downloaded it wow. like the first month. And then um, I ended up turning it into a book a year later, The Wealthy Way. And, you know, what it comes down to is, People do not know how to do two things. They don't know how to create the right priorities, and then they don't know how to manage their time to basically be the best they can in the things that they deem important. So most people, they would tell you that, yeah, you know, my family's important to me. My business is important to me. You know, my health's important to me, right? Yet you look at them and you're like, all right, you know, for me, I'm around a lot of successful business people. So that's kind of like my perspective. So I'll see these successful business guys and they're like, yeah, you know, it's all about family. And I'll be like, well, dude, your wife hates you. So <laughs> how are you going to tell me it's all about family? Facts. And they're like, oh, well, you know, it's, it's for now. You know, it's like this thing. I'm like, how long has for now been? seems like a while. Mm. And then, you know, I see these guys who are already divorced and whatever, right? Same thing with health. You know, it was like, oh, well, yeah, you know. I've been doing this, this new cold plunge thing and I'm like getting healthy. I'm like, you're still fat. Like the cold plunge is not <laughs> doing anything for you. Yeah. Okay. Health is not a priority for you because you sat three seconds in the cold plunge. And so like none of it logically made sense to me. And then, you know, my favorite going back to faith is then, you know, you see the Instagram Christians and they're like, praise God. And then the next story, F this guy. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this is great. So... <laughs> I'm like, we really need to figure out what your actual priority is. Yeah. And so I would tell people, I'm like, all right, you want to know what your priorities are? I could literally tell you what your priorities are if you just gave me your calendar for a week. 
Wow. Just give me your calendar and let me see how you manage your time. And I could tell you what your real priorities are. And so what I found was what people say and think is not what is actually true. And, you know, you look at somebody's calendar and their schedule and for the hyper successful entrepreneurs, what you would find is the 80 hour work weeks and they get it that like they embrace They're like, yo, I do the 80 hour work week and I freaking have to do it for my business. And I'm like, do you? Limiting belief. Yeah. I'm like, why? Well, that's what uh, Gary V told me. <laughs> I'm like, well, Gary V's divorced. <laughs> like, dang, it is what it is. Yeah. And you know, like, so what, what are you going to do? Right. Are you going to follow the path that the world tells you is the path to success or is there maybe a better way? And that was why the wealthy way was born because I started to realize that if people could just truly identify their priorities and know what they were and then create a methodology to hit those goals and those priorities on a daily basis, inevitably their life would change. And, um, that's what it's about. You know, getting rich is just money, mm. you know, being wealthy is just being great at all the things I mentioned, your faith, your business, your relationships, your health, they got to all be great. Cause if one is lacking, you're basically toast. Yep. Bro, I'm wealthy. <laughs> Omar's wealthy now guys. Yeah. I would say you would, or are you essentially saying that being wealthy is, is having the 360, like everything, everything in pl is in place. And it's not a new concept. Like people have right. been talking about like having this balanced life. And then like we went on the other side of the spectrum where people are like, no, you can't have balance. That's a myth. And uh, you got to just do this. And every time I would see that, I would be like, well, look at the person who is saying that mm -hmm. and just say like, do they align with your belief system? Right? Because I, the most of the people I see saying that are lacking in one of the things I just said, Yeah, you know, maybe they're, they're they don't have a family. And it's like, well, all right. You know, you don't have a family or kids or anything. Yeah. I mean, that part is just like not there yet. Mm -hmm. If you do want to have it, you'll have to adapt and change because the way you live right now won't work. Dude, that's really good. And I, I just want to commend you at being that example, you know. Um, it, it's, I mean, I, I've been blessed to be able to even interview people who are 60-something. And the reason why I even want to be in their world, like like Irwin uh, McManus mm -hmm. and like Myron is like, I see their life at 60 and that's what I want. So that's yeah. why I'm willing to invest in what they're doing because they're the fruit of their life. And I just, the fruit is there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and most people, right. Faith is the thing that, um, I would say is lacking the most in the entrepreneurial world. Mm. And that's why, you know, I felt so cold to go do it because there's a lot of guys who could tell you a million ways to make a lot of money. And they're, Truthfully, a dime a dozen. That that's not hard to do. Um, there's a lot of health experts that could tell you how to get jacked. Like that's once again, the information itself is not revolutionary. The execution is what's hard for both. Um, but you know, on the faith side of things, there's so much. Um, I guess either misinformation or lack of. Um, I don't even want to say prioritizing it because they're not, but lack of understanding the value of faith. Mm. And I say this on the podcast all the time where I'm like, look, let's just reverse engineer life for one minute. Okay. Cause if you're trying to create KPI and goals, you always start with the end in mind and then you backtrack to figure out how you're going to hit the goal. Right. Okay. In life, what's the, the only guarantee in life? 
It's not taxes. You can avoid taxes. People say death and taxes. Well, taxes you can avoid. So death is the only guarantee. Okay. Well, we know you're dead a lot longer than you're alive. Mm. And so there's lots of theories on what happens after you die. So to me, just as a logical person, the number one question I would want to answer is what happens after I die? Because what happens after I die would dictate how I choose to live my life. And most people never ask that question, even though they're very smart, logical people. They ignore it, and they do what most of the world does, which is procrastinate. Whenever there's a tough problem you don't know the answer to, instead of confronting it, most people procrastinate and avoid it. Dang, that's really good. So can you define what a kingdom entrepreneur is? Hmm, that's a good question. I should know this. You know, (laughs) I actually thought of a slogan the other day for Wealthy Kingdom, and I'm not sure if it's going to be the slogan, but I'm thinking about getting it on a shirt. But I I like... It ain't legit unless you get it on a shirt. Yeah, it ain't legit unless it's a hat. (laughs) So, well, we don't get hats because my hair, so shirts only. But I thought about this slogan of obedience over ambition Mm. and just get like the obedience with the little like divide sign and then ambition. And I kind of like that because most entrepreneurs obviously have a lot of ambition and we have all this ambition to like build businesses and be known and be great. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. It becomes wrong when you're going after selfish ambition. We talk about it in Philippians, right? Do nothing out of selfish ambition, um, you know, but only do things that are going to basically grow the kingdom. And so what's the opposite of selfish ambition? What's actually obedience, And so obedience to God and what he's calling you to do is the opposite. And the cool thing is when you start putting obedience first, your ambition actually becomes the same and aligned with God. Mm -hmm. So now you get rid of selfish ambition and your ambition now just becomes the same and in line with what the Spirit's calling you to do. And so um, I think for me, a kingdom entrepreneur is somebody that is walking in obedience every day to what God's calling them to do for the kingdom. And for some, it could be, um, you know, like a very big guy is uh, like David Green at Hobby Lobby. Mm -hmm. You know, they're doing like $8 billion a year. They net, I think I heard like $2 billion a year. Wow. And he's like giving it all away and like trying to build the kingdom through through Hobby Lobby. Chick-fil-A, great example, right? Um, But then... There are other people who it's like, hey, if God called you to quit your business right now and become a pastor or whatever, would you actually do it, right? Because your ambition tells you, hey, I want to go do this thing, but I know that I'm meant to go do this. That's that's the choice we all have to make. That's really good. I, I, the first scripture that comes to mind is Deuteronomy, where it says that God's given us the power to create wealth. And the, but a lot of people stop there. But the point of it is to establish his covenant. Mm-hmm. That like when it's it's misaligned, when it doesn't actually build his kingdom. Um, but that gives me a lot of peace that you say that because I wrestle attention knowing how much I could do a lot of the times, like knowing how much I could in regards to building my business. And, I, and even just, you know, the reason why I build my business is honestly so we can give more to the, the local church, to give, you know, more to our church and... But because of my role at City Light, sometimes I feel this like has this. I don't know what it is. I, I guess you could say 
I call it meekness. I know what I'm capable of doing, yeah, yeah. but I choose to not because I don't want to step out of line and and there's a cost I'm willing to pay to just be at peace with what God's called me to do. Mm-hmm. But the comparison sometimes I just see like other people I'm like, dang, dude, it'd be really cool to like make millions. But a lot of those people could dedicate so much of their brain space, their thinking toward purely their business where mine, I split it between ministry, you know, things, and then also in business, um, I'm fulfilled. Like when we talk about wealthy, I genuinely feel like a, I feel fulfilled. I'm living in my purpose. Um, but sometimes that can, you know, sometimes the comparison trap can like get in the way of that. So here's what I would say is instead of thinking it's one or the other, I always think about why can't I have it all? Both and. Yeah, because... I made this choice a long time ago, even when I wasn't good at business, I had a choice, you know, I was like retire from baseball so that I could go and flip houses and like be there or figure out how to do both. And I made the choice back then. I said, I'll just figure out how to do both. And so I hired the first person ever, even though I didn't know how to hire people or train them. I was like, I'm going to go play baseball. So like I got these houses too, Mm -hmm. like that's not going to stop. So I'm just going to figure out how to do both. Um, and I did that. I probably, I had about, let me think I I retired in 2017. I probably flipped about 50 houses while I played baseball. 50, you know, most people would think you have to go full time and devote your life to something to flip 50 houses. I'm not talking wholesale. I'm talking like legit buy, renovate, list, flip, do Mm. it all. So along with Mm. that, I started coaching high school baseball to help the kids out. You know, like I was running Bible study. I was married. Like I was doing it all and it goes back to time management and understanding Mm. your priorities and the things that are important to you. And, um, you know, as I did the social media thing and everything else, like I was running how many businesses, making how much content, running Bible study, serving at church, um, getting good at golf, you know, (laughs) staying in shape, like literally all. You can do it all if you believe you could do it all. Because, I mean, like, this is the part that's now become abundantly clear to me. And, uh, like, it's also why, you know, I I made the switch to going to City Light is, like, I truly now understand the power of the Spirit. Mm. And if the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of me, you're telling me you can't, like, become a millionaire and do the pastoring? Like, I look at that more so as a lack of faith and it's not to call you out or anything, but no, I, I do this good. in Bible study all the time where I'm like, you guys are telling me you can't come to one hour of Bible study a week because you got some appointment or you can't wake up early because our Bible study is at 730. I'm like, you're the softest person I ever met. Don't tell me you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Tell me you can't do that. That's disrespectful to what, mm. to who God is, to claim to be so weak and fragile. And so I get like, I don't know, pretty passionate about it. Like nothing makes me mad really, except that when I see Christians not fully realizing the power that they have inside of them that they could easily just tap into mm. right now. Wow. And, you know, it's like, I could literally tell you how to do both right now. I'd be like, Omar, let's sit down. Tell me how many hours you spend right now dedicated to ministry. And I would look at the hours and I would say, do you think that you could probably cut that down right there. That seems like some wasted time. Like, does it really take that long to prepare a sermon? Like, can we get chat GPT going? No. Um, (laughs) You know, like, what can we do? 
to like make this more efficient. And maybe it is. Maybe it's already hyper optimized, and that that's as good as I think, it's going to get. I think maybe based on you, like pretty much coaching me right now, I feel like maybe I feel a little guilty for doing both still, based Why? on like, because like, because in I guess the way my brain works when I think when I'm focusing on the business and my future. Cause like, dude, I genuinely have a, a goal. I'd love to have a seven figure year. Or, or you can have one next year. You literally could have one next year while still dominate in ministry too. Yeah. There's no reason. Like you already have like 99% there. You already know how to make content. You already know how to do education. Um, what you don't know yet is how to hire teams and build them out yet. Right. That part's easy. Cause yeah. that's how you scale. How, like how does Richard Branson run all these companies at once. Right. You know, how does uh, just any of these, Elon, you know, like how, how do they do it? They've gotten really good at delegating, managing their time, knowing what's the important thing at that moment that they need to devote all their time and energy to. Um, and then, you know, automating the rest of the things so that they don't just stop. Mm -hmm. They keep moving while they're focused on one thing at a time, right? That's what I have seen from every successful person. So like for you, it's like when you first became a pastor, I'm sure you were like way more like focused on it because you just didn't know. Mm -hmm. Like it's new. You have to like go through this learning curve. And then, you know, if you've been a pastor for 20 years, you could like walk out of bed and go give a sermon, you know? Doesn't mean you can't like keep trying to get better and devote to excellence. You should. But like I could walk out of bed right now and do a lot of things even though I want to get better at them. Mm -hmm. But things that are new for me, I have to like spend more time learning them and understanding them. And so... You know, I think for you, um, it then becomes how do I hyper speed my business without sacrificing everything I need to do in ministry, That's which is really question. what you're saying. Yep. And so what I'm saying is you could absolutely dominate both if you just change up, once again, how you utilize your hours in the day. Dude, that's really good. That confirms literally decisions I made this week because mm. I brought on another person, yeah. creative admin slash studio manager. Yep. And I hit up somebody to do all their, they're a marketing integrator. Yeah. And it, it's, it's like a big chunk that like their, their costs, but I respect their expertise. And so I'm counting that cost and, um, but I'm, I'm glad I'm going in the right direction. I pay people millions of dollars every year to do stuff for me, mm. to get time to go do the things I want to do. Wow. You know, like, so it's a bar. It, it's just what it is. Yeah. Um, let me coach you for a sec. All right, let's hear it. You're missing out in your content on a niche. Okay, my team's right here. Tell them right now. Tell them, okay? Bro, Because I'm not going to do it. I need them to do it. <laughs> Bro, Ryan's a productivity expert. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, all these YouTubers who are free, millions of subscribers in the lane of productivity. Oh. You, you need to speak on that more. Dude, you know what's funny that you say that? Maybe you're giving me some um, prophecy right now. So... I'm going down the process. I have my third book coming out. I was literally going to release it like next month, mm. but now I'm, I just, um, I'm getting an agent and I'm going to, um, go the traditional route. And the agent literally just said what you said. They were like, Ryan, where do you see yourself? Um, you know, fitting into the space of, you know, being an author. Do you want to be like the business guy? Do you want to be, uh, like a Christian author? Do you want to be, um, you know, whatever. And I was like, I don't know. Yeah. Business. That's like what I do. It's just, I'm an entrepreneur. And she was like, 
you know that like the wealthy way is like a productivity self-help book. Mm. I was like, self-help. I've always like hated self-help because I'm just like tactical. Yeah. That's how I think. And um, I was like, yeah, I guess it is kind of self-help. It's teaching you how to like live a better life. Mm-hmm. That that that's the definition of a self-help book. Yeah. Um, and so that's good. Yeah. She was she was actually making me really think about that. I was like, yeah, maybe I am a self-help guy. I don't know. And the the difference would be is a lot of these guys nerd out on the 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 applications and like the that um I don't know the software but like you're you're a lot more like real life so like when I think about these youtubers that teach on productivity they're it's I didn't like know that was a thing what yeah are they te- like what are they oh man they're they're just notion and here's how I think this is how I clean up my phone this is how I do my oh calendar my like all this stuff stuff that does but yours do is anything exactly <laughs> that's what I'm trying <laughs> many, to say how many freaking views do these guys get millions let me teach you how to be Bro. productive that makes you literally no more money. Exactly. I'm going to teach you how to, to delete something really quick. It'll save two minutes out of your day, but you still have no skill to make money. How to be, be more productive in life. 4.3 million views. Simple, seven simple habits for more productive life. What are um, the habits? Go to sleep early? I mean, probably, but I, I literally already see like a little graph piece of paper. <laughs> and then there's like how I stay pro- productive 98% of the time. 1.4 million views. I mean, it's just, it's a huge, but you have the authority to speak into it because you've actually lived it. And none of these people are saying hire, delegate. They're always like, hey, download this app and, and, and <laughs> oh make gosh. this list and wake up at 3 a.m. and like have Dude, your protein shake. Okay, so this is literally what happened. Okay, you want to know how an idea comes to fruition? Let me just tell you right now because you just sparked it. I'm like, all right. We're hire in, a we're productivity in, no, expert. We're in the research stage, like I said, because you just told me, the, the guys. Mm-hmm. I'm like, those are the guys. They tell people how to use a sauna. Mm-hmm. Why? Literally, this is what happened on YouTube. <clears throat> Somebody's like, Ryan, it was this exact same conversation. It's like deja vu. Like, Ryan, you should make real estate content on YouTube. And I was like, why? People watch that? And they're like, yeah, YouTube's like a big thing for real estate creators. And I'm like, we're the biggest guys. It's literally deja vu. Yeah. And then they showed me my now friend, Graham Stefan and these guys. And I'm like, okay, what does he talk about? How many houses does he have? And they're like, well, dude, he, you know, he buys, he's got like three houses or something. I was like, what did you just say? That's the biggest guy. That's the biggest expert. He has three houses. Wow. I'm like, I bought three houses yesterday. <laughs> what are we talking about? Right. And my mind was just blown. So if that's all the productivity guys, I'm, man, that's pathetic. Um, and I would just say, yes, you're probably going to meet a lot more people by um, by tapping into that, you know, go like this. Boom. All right. Um, but I'm going to look them up. But yeah, dude, <clears throat> for anyone listening, iPhone hacks ain't it. <laughs> if anybody is <clears throat> production thing is like based on some stupid iPhone hack. Oh, my gosh. No. So I. I. I'm going to make a general observation. I hope nobody takes this as ignorance. Okay. I feel like believers are very timid business people. Yeah. And when I say timid, I mean a little shy. Afraid to sell. Afraid to sell. Mm-hmm. And they feel wrong for charging. Yeah. And they even feel wrong for charging a lot. Like Christians, even if they'd be the best at something, they wouldn't charge the, the most. 
But if you're the best at something, you should charge like you're the best. Yeah. Can you break some of that off of um, people who think like that? And I mean, I, I think a lot of people who follow me yeah. are in that lane. Um. So I guess the belief goes both ways, right? It goes to the belief of um, you as the business owner charging and selling and whatever, right? And it also goes against you as the you know consumer who's unwilling to pay for something, mm -hmm. right? Because it goes back to like, you finally invest in yourself. Fantastic. So I think it's the same mindset on both. But mm -hmm. let's talk about the entrepreneur. Um, I was, I never wanted to be a guru. I never did, dude. And I thought I would always be just a guy who killed it behind the scenes and um, was great. And I hated on gurus. I was like, these freaking guys, I'm doing more than them. And there's ego talking, but that was just like what I always thought. And then um, once again, Russell Brunson, this changed in 2018 when I bought Russell's thing. I don't even know what I bought, but he said something that made sense for me. He goes, look, if you have some, like you guys are all experts in something, right? You have some skill, some knowledge that you can sell that would help a lot of people. And he was basically like, if you don't tell people about it and don't even offer it as a service, you're actually being selfish because mm. you're not helping people. That's good. And that actually clicked with me where I was like, yeah. If, if I know how to flip all these houses and people always ask me how to do it and I don't even offer a way for others who really want to learn how to do it, that's pretty selfish of me. Mm -hmm. And the same thing is true on social media. It's like, man, if I can go make all this content that can help people and I choose not to because I want to be humble, I'm not being humble. Like I'm being actually selfish, Poor keeping steward. it all to myself. Like if, what did people do in the Bible, when they heard the gospel for the first time, they went and told everybody. Mm. They went out there and just went nuts. They're like, dude, you got to hear about this Jesus guy. It's insane what's happened in my life. That was the whole point. And if you have something really exciting to share with somebody that can help them, like, you need to tell people about it. It's good. Um, now, as far as selling and prices and everything else, um, this is just something you have to get comfortable with. You know, at the end of the day, um, if you understand what your value is, uh, be willing to charge for it. And also be willing to say no to people. I say no to people 24 seven. Mm -hmm. I say no, like 99% of the time. And it's not that like, I'm a bad person for it. It's not that, uh, I, uh, you know, I'm just trying to take everyone's money or, or whatever. It's just that, my time is valuable. Once again, if you haven't figured out by now, I value time right. extremely highly. Don't ask me to go to coffee for no reason. You know, like, you, think about this. I always flip it in reverse. Somebody's like, dude, why you got to charge for this? Why can't, just, just give me an hour in coffee. I'll prove myself and blah, blah, blah. I go, how selfish of you to take an hour of time away from me and my kids? What you're asking me is to, not be with my family so I can go, you know, pour into you who, by the way, you've shown me nothing that it's going to be even worth it because mm. you're unwilling to even invest anything. You just want everything for free. Like you don't count the cost. And it's like, and you want me to take away time from my kids to go help you kick rocks. Like it just is what it is. Right. And you know, at the end of the day, for me too, I always wanted to figure out a way to help all people. Okay. So like now today I would tell that guy, um, well, dude, you, you, do you know about the internet? 
Oh, you do? Okay. So <laughs> there's this thing called YouTube. I didn't know about it either until like four years ago. Let me, so if you're new to it, it's fine. But I have this, this channel, you know, you can go check it out. Ryan Pineda, go watch this video. That's what you're asking me about. Just go watch it, you know? Mm -hmm. And then um, here's some other videos. Here's a playlist. It's all free. Go watch it. Oh, and then I wrote a book too. You can go get the book. It's free. You, you can learn just from those. Right. You don't need me. Okay. Now, if you want extra help and you want handholding and everything else, you can buy coaching, you can do whatever and, you know, get to the next level. But in the end, there's something for everybody. It's really good. This one, this scripture is actually one that like got me when I was like in that phase of like afraid to charge. It says in Proverbs eleven twenty six, the people curse him who holds back grain, but a blessing is on the head of him who sells it. Mm. That like you're like you're saying, by you not selling the thing that you're good at, by you not telling people how to get through life quicker or expedite a process or what have you, you're actually cursing yourself. Yeah. Or it'll be like a curse on you. I could see no benefit to anyone for holding back selling information. Mm -hmm. I see no benefit. Um, now, if you say, hey, you know, I just always want to do it for free and take these one-on-ones and stuff and whatever, I'll be like, all right, well, that, that tells me one of two things. One, you either have a low demand for your information, so it might not be that good, mm. which at that, that point, yeah, you could definitely do that because the demand is low. But at some point, if you are so excellent at your craft, you inevitably are going to have more demand than supply of your time. Mm. And therefore, you have to scale your time some way. And that's done through content, courses, coaching, books, you name it. That's the only way to scale your time. How much do you charge for a one-on-one -on -one with you? Or I don't even do one-on-ones anymore. You opened it up for like a few, though. I opened it up for one event. I just tried it out. It was a hundred grand, and it sold out. How many? Five. I just said I'll do five. That's a dope. And it sold out, but but you're doing them. And you're like, ah. I just don't like it. Yeah. Um. I feel, with the one-on-ones. Like, obviously, I like helping people. Mm -hmm. I actually literally have a one-on-one -on -one right after this. Um, I don't like it just because, one, it's not scalable. Right. Anything that's not scalable productivity-wise, I don't like because I'm just like, it just is what it is. Mm -hmm. um, and then, two, I just feel like this obligation of, like, now I have to do this thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't like that feeling. That's why I never made it as a realtor of, like, having to do something um, versus everything I try to build. Like I, I try to build it in a way where I personally don't have to do anything mm -hmm. if I don't want to. I have the choice to do something. That's really good. I mean, dude, yeah, you're so, I was, I wrote down, you're so not afraid to charge that people pay you like six grand to golf with you. Well, that's low. It, it, it's more now. What is it now? Um, I think they pay like 10 or more now. Sheesh. Bro, I'm trying well, to do golf with Omar. Bro, people will pay you at least hundred bucks for the round. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll pay, pay for they'll pay their, their green fees. Okay, yeah. they'll for sure pay the green fees. Dude, that's so um, funny. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, like with golf and everything, the reason I actually like that one is because it doesn't take an extra time. Yeah. I'm gonna golf anyway. So good, I love that. And so I just one day it clicked with me. I was like, you know what? Instead of golfing all the time with the same people, what if? All these people that have been one and one-on-one, -on -one, I say, this is the way you get it. Four hours mm -hmm. right now 
on the course because I'm going to be here anyway. And uh, sure enough, I didn't even know what people would pay. I was like, I think I, – I thought of it like this. I was like, dude, I would <laughs> – not to say I would golf with me, but I was like, I would golf with one of my mentors. Like if somebody one, I really respect, dude, like what would I pay? And I was like, I'd pay a lot of money to go spend four hours with somebody. I was like, I don't know. I'll just test it. I don't want to be an idiot. So I, I said on Instagram in one story, hey, it's 2,500 bucks if you want to golf with me for a day. This was like a couple years ago. And um, literally 20 people bought it that day. Wow. And I was like, holy crap. I have uh, months booked now. That's crazy. And so I raised the price immediately. Um, Talk about being a professional golfer. I am a pro. When you get paid to do something, you instantly become a professional. <laughs> That's, That's cool. the definition. And um, yeah, I've been doing it for two years now, and I've made great relationships. Like because yep. people who pay that amount of money to right. go do something are serious. Which is another cool thing about charging. Oh, you get the best people. Right. They un they they are coming there with a reason. They have skin in the game. You know they're serious. I love it. That's cool. Um, but yeah, I don't do it as much now because. I literally just have not been golfing a lot. You know, we got the newborn, um, been traveling. So I taking think next people year, to Disneyland. Yeah, taking, <laughs> you know, my best business friends to <laughs> Disneyland. And yeah, I haven't gone as much as I'd like, but uh, I think next year I'll kind of like open it back up and stuff. That's good. Because I don't ever promote it until I, I have somebody with me. And I'm like, hey, if you want to do this, just DM me, and then yeah. that's that's literally the funnel. That's really cool. No, I love it. I, I was a part of one, and I saw or I met the guy that did pay, and that okay. dude didn't even golf. Oh yeah, most most don't golf. They're just like they're like this is the only way to get one on one. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Okay, you say that one of the best decisions you've ever made in business was start a podcast. Oh yeah, dude. Can you talk about some of the benefits and some of the things you've learned by starting a podcast and why you would encourage other entrepreneurs to go in on podcasting? Yeah. So I started my podcast about two and a half, almost three years ago. And I started it not because I just knew it was like the best thing ever. I was just like, it makes sense to have a podcast. Like, I think podcast is going to be big. Like it's already like people knew what podcasting was, but I was like, I think it's going to be bigger than people think. Mm. It was a hunch. And I did it, started, you know, filming episodes and it's all good. And then as the years went on to this year, it became clear that, yeah, it's, it's the most important thing somebody can do. And there's, I always give five reasons why. If you're looking at just the content creator, there's, there's two great reasons why. There's there's con or there's pros for it as a form of content creation in the algorithm. And there's pros for the business side. So on the content side, number one, as we've identified, I love productivity. It is the most efficient way mm. to create content. I mean, I tell entrepreneurs now, you could film content for an hour, once a week, and you would have all the content you need to build a brand. You have your one podcast. You could get seven clips out of it. You could make even other YouTube 10-minute clips if you wanted, and you're good. Like, that one podcast can get you everything. That's the bare minimum, too. What would you say if you, like, I guess it goes back. I was going to ask you, like, if people suck at. Well, I'll tell you. Okay. So, okay, efficiency-wise, it's great. Second thing, if you suck, okay, <laughs> which most do. The way you looked at me and pointed your hand. If you suck, <laughs> if you suck, I'm supposed to look at the camera, okay, um, podcast is going to be your best bet mm. because it is the only form of natural content creation Dang. 
or just talking. Love it. When I started to make TikToks, that is not natural. I'm talking to a camera, extremely fast, one sentence, chopped up. It's hard. Um, also, normal 10, 15 minute YouTube videos that are scripted. You know, it ain't yeah, easy. You right. got a script. You got to come up with crazy hooks. You got to like insert these things, move the camera around. This is literally for right. anyone who sucks. Mm -hmm. It's easiest. Um, the third reason as a creator is that the algorithms want it. Watch time is king. That is literally like if I had to say all that matters is probably all that matters. And it's just about getting people to the video for watch time. I agree. You know, so like YouTube wants it. Everyone wants watch time. And so how do you get more watch time? Do longer things. So the podcast is there. Now let's talk about the business side. Okay. Number one, Omar, how do you sell someone something? What, like what gets somebody to want to buy something from you? By first them knowing about it. They got to, they got to know about it, right? Awareness. That's mm -hmm. good. But why would they choose you over somebody else? Competing products. Because they know me. They know you. Would you say they trust you? They trust me. They know, like, and trust me. Yeah. How do you build trust? Time. Time. That's it. That's the, literally the only way you build trust. You get to know somebody. Mm -hmm. Like, how long did you date your wife before you got married? 11 months. 11 months. 11 months of trust was built, and he said, I'm in. Mm -hmm. Most losers take five years <laughs> to build trust. But, you know, 11 months, you knew. You're ready to go. Very rarely do you meet somebody instantly at the bar and you go get married. Right. Usually it doesn't turn out good because mm -hmm. no trust was built. So if I'm trying to get somebody to go pay 20 grand, I got to build trust. Right. They're not just going to go buy it. And so what's the best way to build trust? Time. What's the thing that, you know, gets people to spend a lot of time with you? A podcast. It's not a 30 second video. It's not a 10 minute video. It's hours. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for us, that's what we are trying to optimize going into next year. This year, we'll end the year on like 1.2 million hours of watch time. Incredible. You know, that's like 150 years of trust built. Mm. Talk about productivity. Like I spent one year and, you know, a year, but like I personally spent, I don't know, five hours a week times, you know, 50 weeks. That's uh, 250 hours to get 150 years. That's how you scale trust. So it's the only way to scale trust, you know, in your business. Um, the second thing is you get relationship capital because man, you provide a way for people to come to you. That's mutually beneficial, right? You have an audience, people will happily come to be on your show. Where else could you really sit down with somebody for an hour and get this kind of rapport and relationship? I right. mean, because I've asked you out for coffee and you said, dude, watch my courses, watch my, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm the guy. <laughs> no. no, it's true though. No, but for real, we've, we've probably haven't sat down and just talked like in this way. I mean, we talk yeah. about other things when we hang out at dinner and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely. Yeah. Like, yeah, you and I haven't sat down and talked um, about business and stuff in a long time. Yeah. Right. But man, I get to interview and pick brains of the top people in the world and they happily come on for free, mm. come to my office, and guess what happens? They see my operation and everything we got going on. They're like, dang, dude, I thought you were just some blue-haired YouTuber. <laughs> you actually do stuff. Right. And I'm like, yeah. That before and after, you know, interaction is so big. Dude, after that, it's a wrap, dude. Like, we're doing something Bro, together. the number goes in the phone. Yeah. It's crazy. It's a wrap. And so, for me, 
the podcast gets relationships mm -hmm. that then lead to more relationships and more relationships because if I treat one person right, they're going to go tell their friend and make a recommendation. So literally, I don't even know how our show gets booked at this point. Like every week, there's just people on the calendar <laughs> and I don't know how it happens because I don't recruit. Like I'm not looking for guests. Right. It's always just I get a text every week from multiple people and I'm like, oh, that person's pretty cool. Let's go have them on. And then they do the same thing and it just starts to exponentially multiply. Um, so, you know, you get the relationship capital and then you also get the boost from their audience. You interview famous people mm. like they're now coming to watch that person and inherently they become aware of you. And so now you have a new audience that you're getting. So it's like, to me, there's just nothing better. That's really good. And I, yeah, when you talk about the relationship aspect, it's also the credibility. Yep. Like, so many people are discovering this podcast and they either know me or they just discovered me, but because they discovered me next to a certain individual, they're like, dude, this guy is legit. He must be credible. Um, which, yeah, which is huge when it comes to people trusting you too. That's really good. How much would you say your podcast has made you in business? I don't know, dude, because like you would quantify it in lots of different ways. So the way I would quantify it is, okay, the relationships are the top priority. Mm. So what have these relationships made me? And it's like impossible to quantify because I would look at it and I would say, well, okay, here's a deal we actually did together. I can say that's what it's made so far to this point, but it'll continue to produce something. Mm -hmm. um, I could say, dude, this is what I learned from this guy, either on the podcast or because we built a relationship after the podcast. And I learned this thing that then made me this you know, amount of money, right? Um, I could also look at, you know, just like the revenue from the podcast itself. Like, hey, the sponsors, the AdSense, and, but that's minuscule compared to everything else. Um, and then, like the leads. Like I put, we, we just actually um, finally, which is hard to believe, but I've been in the back end revamping all these things the last two months and like, I, I created a new lead a new lead magnet on my podcast. It's only on the podcast. So I know for a fact it came from there. It came from the podcast. That's good. And I was just looking at it yesterday. I'm like, you know that we got 20 leads yesterday from that ad. Like, I I want to see the ROI of what those leads end up becoming. Um, but I can tell you, 20 people who fought like that ad, I would be shocked if it wasn't the highest performing thing out of any ad we have just because of the fact that, dude, you watched an hour podcast with me. Mm -hmm. Like you're engaged. Right. That's really good. I love it. And I, I, dude, it's been so cool to even see how this has been reaching a new group of people. For some reason you have this thought that like the people that follow you now is everyone that knows you. And then people are literally learning about Omar Al-Takori now and they're fine. They're looking at my Instagram like, oh dang, this guy's in ministry. Oh dang, this, he knows a lot of really people, like really, you know, awesome people. And but yeah, I, I, I had a limiting belief starting this podcast to think that everyone knows about me already, but there's so much people that don't know who the frick I am oh, and it'll never end. Cardone told me, he was like, hey, nobody knows your stuff or nobody's seen your stuff and nobody knows you. So it, like he said to himself, he's like, this is how I approach of all of marketing. Nobody's ever seen it. Nobody knows you. And... I treat it the same way, right? Like it's I'll good. repurpose content. I will freaking do ads every day and all this stuff. And people will be like, 
enough with it. And I'm like, well, the only thing that, the only reason you would say that is because you're actually seeing all my stuff all the time. So like, <laughs> right. you must be like a super fan. Yeah. You know, number one, if you, if you can actually see that, but odds are everyone else might only see that one thing. Like to them, it's brand new. They've never right. seen it. And, um, so like really the only complainers would be the haters who Cardone actually calls, um, misguided fans. Dang. Haters are just delusional fans because they keep watching and they know all these things like how do you know all this stuff? Like if you, you just come because you're delusional, you're actually really a fan. Dang. I honestly didn't take my personal brand on Instagram serious um, until I saw four to six guys on my feed every single day, multiple times a day. Mm -hmm. And I, I was like, there's only four. I know. I follow almost a thousand people and there are only four people. Well, and you got the four you. It's still showing people you don't follow. Right. But that was literally, I was like, let me be one of those four for the people that follow me. And that yeah. was literally the train of thought was like, if Dude, I can just be the reason. I've been thinking about that a lot, actually, um, because when I first started, obviously, I'm starting from zero. And, you know, I was just thinking about YouTube and it's like, man, there was like four guys. They're like, these are the four guys. And I'm like, OK. And then, you know, I became friends with all four of them within a year. Wow. And like did it. I was like, okay, that was kind of easier than I thought it was going to be. But when I look at the landscape today, I'm like, okay, yeah, like in the, the world of business, um, let's just say there's, there's 10 guys. And I'm like, man, there's really like 10 that basically Run it. everyone knows. And then, yeah, you know, you got like smaller guys. And like, so I'm not saying to anyone they shouldn't get started. They can't become one of the 10. But um, the 10 are the 10 for a reason. They're really good at business, they have track record, and they're really good at creating content. That's why they're in the 10. Mm. Everyone below them is not in the 10 because they lack one of those things. Their content's not that good, but maybe their business is. Maybe their content's good, but they haven't accomplished enough in business. So to be at the top level, you gotta do those two things. Now, what I realized was, even within the 10, right, there are reasons why you would follow one person and this person. Like, you, you know, you follow different people for different things. You're never going to fully align with one person on everything. Mm -hmm. um, and what became apparent to me and why I started to really take the faith side seriously with content was somebody asked me at one of my events, they're like, Ryan, I love that you're bold about your faith and, you know, all that stuff. And, you know, nobody's doing that. And they're like, who do you look up to? in like the Christian business world. And I really started to think about it. And I was like, mm, probably no one. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't really, I can't tell you that there's one person I really watch where I'm like, dude, I love what they're doing on both sides. Yep. And um, it became apparent to me after doing, I was like, if everyone's telling me they like that I'm doing this because no one else is, I must be like the guy. Mm. And then it dawned on me, like, what a big responsibility that was in both ways. Because now there's an actual different element happening here of this spiritual warfare. Because mm. not only do you have, like, these 10 guys, like you just said, but if all, maybe you, you could consider me one of the 10, let's just say nine out of the 10 then are not Christian. Right. And they're they're pushing ideologies that are going to lead people down the wrong path. One hundred. And so, to me, 
it became very serious and a spiritual battle of like, okay, well, these guys are going to lead people astray. They mm -hmm. have great business advice, but terrible life advice, which is more important. And so what am I going to do to combat that? I was like, well, I have to do two things. If I know that the reason that you stay up there is because you make great content and you have great business success, I have to become better at both. That's just what has to be done in order to, you know, play the role that I currently have to play. And uh, just is what it is. But um, that's something to think about because there's not a lot of guys out there on social media. There's a lot of great Christian business owners who are killing it, but no one knows who they are. Mm -hmm. That's really good. I would say you are part of the top 10. There was like a post that went out that was like a text I saw image. that. I saw that. And it's just crazy that you're on that list. I think I think it's so cool. Like Dave Ramsey's on that list. Grant Cardone's on that list. Um, I mean, who else is in finance? Robert Kiyosaki is on that <laughs> list. Dude, Ryan Pineda. And so, dude, I'm honored to know you. Uh, honored to call you friend. Thank you. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know. You said best business friend. Now it's just friend. I, dude, that was just a play to get people to like believe me. Okay. You know, if I just said they, friend, they're going to be like, man. I felt like if they say friend in business, they're like, dang, Omar's about this life. I don't know. Yeah, he's rebranding himself as a business minister. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Dude, where can people go to find you and um, and get involved with what you're doing? Just follow me on social media. That's the easiest way. Um, from there, you'll, you'll fall into one of my funnels, and whatever happens, happens. Thank you so much. Love you, bro. Love you, dude. Appreciate you, man.